Ohio State makes a few coaching changes in the offseason, and things are getting interesting. Welcome to the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance along with Johnny Getter. You know, Johnny, I feel like when we were talking a week ago, we were tapping our wristwatches saying, okay, Ryan Day, it's about time here. We've been waiting to know what the rest of the staff's going to look like. And it wasn't maybe 24, 36 hours later, the man <laughs> makes, makes some news. Uh, two big changes as Ohio State hires former Jacksonville Jaguars quarterbacks coach Tim Walton, a Buckeye uh, himself as a player, be the secondary cornerbacks coach, and Cincinnati cornerbacks coach Perry Eliano joining the staff as the safeties coach. Two, I think, pretty well-regarded gentlemen in the sport, and I will admit I didn't know a lot about either of them. I knew who Walton was as a player, didn't know a lot about their coaching CVs, but in in reading their biographies and where they've been, I think Ryan Day and Jim Knowles have put together a pretty interesting staff here. How did you read the the, the bios there? Were you were you looking at this as a, uh, a five out of 10, eight out of 10, 10 out of 10 hires? <laughs> 7.46. Hold on. Be like the, the, you know, the French judge and hold up your little scorecard there like yeah. at the Olympics. Like how, how grade this one on the curve. What do you think? I took off. I took off point three points for uh they went with a triple sal cow and they only completed two so i gotta take a few points off no i i mean it's it's good and you know why i know it's good because cincinnati fans are pissed that perry eliano is is gone um because he's a very good coach and you know anytime you can bring a buckeye back with tim walton guy in the league who was doing some good things i mean granted yeah he was not with a very good team but um uh, there were some other, I think, institutional problems. Jaguars have bigger problems than <laughs> Tim Walton. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know that maybe he was the reason why. Maybe the Jaguars got ninety nine problems and Tim Walton ain't one. How's that? Yeah, maybe maybe there's another coach who might be responsible who was making slightly more money and had maybe more authority than him. I don't know. Um, mm. But mm. I think they're good hires, and you know, honestly, it's really kind of funny to think about because if you had told me maybe like, I don't know, four or five years ago that, okay, Ohio state's going to poach a Cincinnati positional coach to be one of I'd be like, okay, that's great. But now after seeing what Luke fickle staff was able to put together on the field defensively, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about it, especially compared to, you know, what Ohio state's put on the field defensively. So, you know, you're getting rid of Kerry Combs. Um, you're obviously shuffling some things around. Other coaches are leaving. We'll talk about that in a second, but I think for the most part, this is really positive. And we said, not even last week, we said several weeks ago that, you know, Ryan Day's got to get on this thing too sweet, right? Like he's got to, he's got to move quick on these coaches. And of course he has. And I mean, if Ohio state comes out in 2022 and their defense doesn't look that much better then I don't, I mean, I don't think it's for lack of trying on the part of Ryan Day up to this point. I, he's done, I think exactly what, Ohio State fans have wanted the dude to do, which is make some big time changes, go out and get some really well regarded coaches. And he's done exactly that. I think the only thing he could have done differently or in addition, and I'm not advocating for this, but the only other thing you could have done would have been to to riff uh Larry Johnson, which I would not have been in favor of at all, or you could have riffed uh Parker Fleming and brought in another defensive position coach. Yeah instead of having just a dedicated special teams coordinator, you could have brought in, in but theory, you get another, somebody, you get another line, you get another year of LJ. So like, yeah, yeah. I, which that, you know, that was one I've been sitting there waiting and thinking, okay, as they reshuffle the deck chairs here, mm-hmm. you know, is Johnson in another year? Does it, because we, you've been, it feels like you've been hearing rumors for two or three years now that LJ could retire 
yeah. any minute. And you, you know, you just, I've been a pretty big stand and I think the proof is in the pudding, his, his defensive line, nobody's done it better uh, than, than Larry Johnson. So I'm like, you let that guy coach as long as he wants to It'd be, right. be like having Dick LeBeau, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't run Dick LeBeau off until he's ready to go. The Steelers did that damn their heights, but um, <laughs> you, you know, when you have an institution like that, you kind of like to let them go out on their terms. And I, I don't think Larry Johnson's the reason that the defense wasn't very good this year. Uh, I know people have their quibbles about, well, geez, you know, we didn't have a, a Boza or Chase Young and they somehow want to want to blame Larry Johnson for that. Hey guys, Bozas and predators don't grow on trees, you know? Yeah, they don't. Yeah. You don't get generational defensive. It's linemen. very odd that you had kind of three back to back to back generational talents like that. Yeah. Right? It's very right. odd. They sh- they shouldn't grow in the same family. Like well, that's what I was going to say. Both. Two of them yeah. were brothers. So, like, how often are you going to get that? Either yeah, like quite an outlier. So I don't. I mean, I think you could say along with pretty much every other defensive unit, the defensive line underperformed. But a lot of that too goes with who's in charge and do they have a coherent scheme and all that kind of stuff. And it appears that that was not the case in 2021. So now you're bringing in a guy who very much has an idea about what he wants to do, and I think that will permeate through all the other positional groups i think that's a good thing so you know the 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 decision making here you know i find interesting and i think this is the right move that you you go in and you you clean the cupboard right and you say okay Mm -hmm. there's one guy here who who wasn't because it's very clear um from everything i've read over the years that larry johnson's not a big scheme guy he's a great position coach and teacher there's a reason he hasn't been you know a head coach somewhere like that's not he's one of those rare guys who can say, this is what I do well, and I'm going to do it better than anybody else. And I don't need to grab that next rung on the ladder to be happy and be successful. Uh, very few guys in the sport seem to be able to have that sort of wisdom. But but I, I look and say, you know, I was thinking this through as you and I were talking about it last week. I could have seen a scenario where a Kerry Combs stayed on board as a secondary coach. Um, at the same time, it's really hard to take that step back and not have it be a uh, just a, a mess, right. For a lot of different reasons, personality, ego, and so on. So yeah. I think taking, taking Coombs out of the equation makes a lot of sense. And, um, I, I didn't see any reason why Al Washington needed to stay on the staff, his unit and his, his specific position group, in my opinion, was the most inadequate of, of all of the pieces of that puzzle. Others may sure. have different opinions, but I just was, uh, and maybe that's a case cause you and I talked about him as a potential defensive line coach. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's just a case of being miscast, but I, I was not sitting here saying, Oh man, I hope they keep Al Washington. I didn't, I didn't see any reason to now we'll talk more about him in a minute. Um, but, but I feel like these are, if not upgrades, at least pieces of a puzzle that Jim Niles is going to be able to come in here with competent teaching and implement his scheme in a way that is going to give Ohio state the best footing. As you said, it ain't going to be for lack of trying if things don't improve a right. year from now. Right. And that's, you know, and that's the thing about this is that you want to see improvement. You want to see change. You want to see just an evolution. Right. And and that's kind of the thing. Like when you see regression, as you kind of saw in a lot of places that that's when things get really frustrating, especially if it's a year to year thing. So I don't know, man, I, I, I'm very curious about how spring is going to play out. That's probably the biggest thing for me right now. I, I want to see who they decide is going to be, you know, at the top of their depth chart. I want to see how they're going to utilize some of these guys that they brought in. You know, a guy like Sawyer, for example, um, or Tumalo out, like 
you want to see those players make immediate impact. And you didn't really get that in 2021. So I, I don't know. I, I know that that's not always, you know, feasible, but I am just very curious to see how those players will be used um, in 2022. That's, that's going to be the biggest thing for me. And like I said, it, start, it starts in spring. So we'll see how that goes. I won't say that this is my prediction, but I, I sort of have an expectation. Maybe it's a hope more than an expectation. I don't know. But if you think back to when Brian Hartline took over as wide receivers coach, Mm -hmm. you look at the fact that, you know, probably the most horrendously underutilized player of the last 20 years, at least, uh, would would be Michael Thomas. And it seems kind of silly to say that because he was so good, but, but you look at what he has done as a NFL wide receiver compared to where he was as an Ohio state wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'd like to have seen Michael Thomas with a full, um, a, a full collegiate career with Brian Hartline as his position coach. I'm sure a lot of former Ohio state wide receivers <laughs> probably would have liked that. You know what I mean? Like they're probably so, looking around and they're seeing a guy like Chris Olave, you know, who not yeah. was not super highly regarded. Right. And then they're like, why, why the hell, you know, Ray smalls like sitting around like, God, <laughs> yes could have been me so i'm sitting here thinking if you think about the dramatic improvement you've seen since heartline took over you know by the way oh not even sorry just to interject james lewis should be a household name right now and he's not and it's really messed up so i don't know anyway terrible terrible. anyway the the injustice of it all well he'd still be on twitter He'd still be on Twitter because he'd be in the league and people would want to know what he's up to, whether he's still drinking cereal or eating cereal with water. And I just, I'm mad about it. So anyway, anyway, just thought I'd bring that up. So I'm wondering if we're not now six months from now, a year from now, going to be saying, you know, this is, we've had that similar experience where you see what bringing a really good position coach into the mix can do for a unit. So, so the question will be, it was the issue scheme. Was it teaching coaching at the position level? Was it the talent? Cause that obviously those, I mean, those are the three things that go together to make this thing work, right? The, 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 the mm-hmm. Jimmy's and Joe's the X's and O's, but then the, the, the teaching coaching. And so I'm, I'm saying you're wondering now we knew Kerry Combs was a pretty good position coach. Cause you look at all the guys he put into the league when he was here his first time, uh, all those first rounders, you know, t- speak very well of him. He's, he's a great players coach. Um, and I, and I think he just got Peter principled, uh, like we, like we talked about last mm-hmm. week, but, but on the linebacker side of things, I'm really eager to see, uh, with the, the assumption here that Knowles is going to handle the linebackers himself, what those guys can do. Is it, is it that there's an absence of talent there, de- or at least, a not enough talent. Um, we, we talked about some recruiting misses and, and so on, that that's been an area of relative weakness, but is there enough talent in the room that. You can have that kind of turnaround, if you will, in, in a year's time, or is it going to take a few years of, of recruiting to the system as well? I, that, that's what I think really there's thought. enough talent in, in certain positional groups. I, I think at linebacker, they're still going to have to, um, uh, they're going to have to do some things. You know what I mean? Like they're going to have to figure some stuff out. They can convert some more running backs, uh, you know? I yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, when you've got, Granted, a tight end who used to play defensive positions and it was fine. Uh, and, and you've got a running back going in and, and basically being your most effective players. And that maybe suggests that you've got to figure some things out in terms of depth. But um, yeah, I think that would be the one that I'd be looking towards the most 
D line, I think they're fine. You know, safeties, you know, you're bringing in a guy granted for a year. That should be fine. Um, and then I think obviously the future is pretty bright at the corner position. So I don't know, man, it, like I said, I want to see how spring shakes out before I feel any type of way about the defense in general, because I think we'll find out a lot more about um, the scheme, how the players are reacting to the coaches, all that kind of stuff. And that's going to take some time. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Other news related to coaching staff, Jim Knowles bringing two young defensive assistant coaches with him from Oklahoma State. He's bringing in Michael Hunter, who was a defensive grad assistant, and Coy McFarland, who was a quality control coach, both joining his staff in defensive support roles. Uh, that that coming along uh, with the news about Perry Eliano and, and Tim Walton. So, you know, I talked about this with the news that he was bringing, a, you know, a player with him. But the fact that you have these staffers who are following Knowles, that to me really speaks well of him, that he's got a, a cadre of, of people from his orbit who are like, yeah, I want to be a part of what that guy's doing. Um, and, and Hunter has some ties to the big 10 as a former Indiana cornerback who also spent time with six NFL teams. So you like that some additional NFL experience, even if it is a sort of a journeyman role. Uh, I, I, I like that there's, um, um, a, a lot to say about how this defensive staff is, is coming together. Now, of course, as we mentioned, you lose Combs and Al Washington, but Al Washington, uh, not, didn't have to put his resume out very far. A friend of the program, <laughs> yeah, Marcus Freeman has added another uh, former Buckeye, in this case, former Buckeye coach in Washington. He's going to Notre Dame to be their defensive line coach, giving some credence to what we talked about last week that maybe he'd be more suited for being a defensive line coach given his background than as a linebackers coach. So again, this this meeting between Ohio State and Notre Dame in September has got a lot of juice to it, Johnny. <laughs> Has, has there been a bigger season opener than this one in a minute? Uh, no, I mean, this is, <laughs> I, I don't know that you could e even compare this to anything. God, I'm, I guess I would have to look at the historical openers. This is probably the biggest one. Maybe I got, I don't know. Can, can you think of anyone last 20 years, 25 years, 30 years? I have to go back. I have to go back and watch and look at these old schedules. Um, they just there's some juice here. You when you look at Freeman and his ties to the university and the program, and the I I don't know if gaff is the right word or not, but the, some of the things he said that is that that, that have incited uh, many a comment from readers and listeners to this program. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's a gaff. I, I think he gaff implies that a was you know not on purpose and be a bad idea and for him and his position i don't think he's going to suffer at all for saying anything like that and he definitely meant it like he meant to say it you know what i mean like it, i think it was a calculated thing on his part he wasn't yeah. he doesn't really care at this point about i think burning bridges and let, let's put it this way all right so let's say marcus freeman goes ahead and has this incredible, amazing, you know, tenure at Notre Dame, wins a national championship, whatever. And then for whatever reason, Ohio State has a vacancy and asks him to interview. Do you, you really think anybody's going to be like, oh, gosh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Marcus Freeman said one thing. And, and here's the thing about Ohio State fans. Of course, people will say that. Sure. But <laughs> hey, look, say, I, I can't. But he said the bad thing one time many but, years ago you, you know winning cures a lot of ills that's my point so it and, doesn't matter <laughs> whatever he does if he's terrible who cares because then you know no, 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 okay boo -boo. well you get your just desserts sucker 
but if he's great and then Ohio State wants him to come back at some point, then who gives a crap? It, it's it's either way. It doesn't really matter. So I don't think anybody at Ohio State now is going to say, I'm not talking to that guy anymore. Yeah. Um, and then in the future, if it's something that, you know, Ohio State wants to take advantage of his services, I don't think anybody will re- suddenly remember any of that. So the first um, game of the season has a tremendous amount of juice because Freeman, the James Laurinaitis situation, now Al Washington joining the staff. It was already going to be a banger anyway because you've got two CFP contender type teams going at it in the first weekend of the season. Two of the bluest of blue blood programs going at it in opening week. Everything to love about it. I'm I'm personally glad it's happening at the Horseshoe. Uh, I think that's a, a a very helpful thing. But the last game of the regular season that one should have a lot of juice and yet at press time my friend mm-hmm. <laughs> there are some very real smoke signals that uh, gentleman jim harbaugh may, may or may not be the head coach of the michigan wolverines at the end of the regular season in 2022 particularly as uh, the las vegas Raiders still weird to say that I got to be honest, Mm -hmm. the Las Vegas Raiders are are cleaning houses, the NFL uh, playoffs go, go, go through the annual cycle of non-playoff contending teams, cleaning out the dead wood. What do you, what do you lay the odds is Harbaugh back in Ann Arbor next year, or does he say peace out homies? I'm, I'm back to the league. I think it's still 50, 50. You're trying, I mean, (laughs) It's a it's a fool's errand to try to look inside the heart of Jim Harbaugh and and figure out at all what might happen in the future. You know what I mean? Like there's no there's no real predicting that. So I there's definite interest in the NFL. I mean, obviously he's going to listen to overtures from the Raiders or whoever else might be interested. He would be dumb not to. I'm sure Michigan is trying to open up their checkbook and give him as much as he wants to keep him you know, there and it, it not, not even so much that they think he's a great coach, although I, I'm sure they're more than happy with his performances past season, but more so because they don't want to have to deal with another coaching search, which could honestly reverse their fortunes hard. And they know that. So like I said, I think it's 50, 50. I don't think that Jim Harbaugh has any, I, I think what he did this past season, winning the big 10 championship, beating Ohio state. That's enough for him. And frankly, it's enough for Michigan fans. I don't, that's <laughs> if they do that once every five to seven seasons, I honestly think they would happily give the dude a lifetime contract because that's essentially where they're at as a fan base. They're like, okay, that's fine. Um, you know, <laughs> Kirk Ferentz has got extended, right? So yeah. it's all about fan. Seriously. It's all about fans, fan base expectations. And Harbaugh has absolutely met those expectations as of, you know, January 17th, 2022. So they're going to open up the, the Brinks truck and back that up for them and, and say, okay, dude, name your price. We'll try to keep you here. But for Harbaugh, I think it's just got to be whether or not he wants to test the NFL waters again, because his, his cachet at that level is not going to get much higher than it is right now. Um, so uh, like I said, it, if he gets the right offer from the right team in the NFL, I think he'll go. But if he doesn't love it, then maybe he won't. Um, so it, to me, it definitely is a 50-50 time will tell kind of thing because I just it really depends on how he weighs those offers that he will be getting. And I'm sure he'll be getting some pretty spicy ones here. So I, I would fully expect, you know, if I'm weighing this decision objectively, 
I'm, I'm wholly on board with you. You know, I, I don't know. There's nowhere for him to go, but down. It feels like if he stays, is he going to win a national championship? No, no. And and I mean, I, I don't know that he beats Ohio state again next. I mean, just look at what they're losing. You know, they're losing a lot. They can hope that their offense is still really kick ass and Ohio state's defense doesn't, you know, really improve all that much. And if that's the case, then yeah, they still have a shot to beat Ohio state, but you're right. Like, the trajectories of these two programs last year, notwithstanding, are, are not the same. They're, um, they were at opposite ends of the development curve because you had the super, like, veteran heavy Michigan team. Yes. Been licking its chops where you had this super young Ohio State team. Right. You know, still kind of finding its, its, its what, you know, some of these young guys and, uh, and, and with all of the, and in COVID, you know, delayed changes that Ryan Day might have made on his <laughs> defensive staff, right? He gave everybody kind of a mulligan for 2020. Yep. As, as as you should i mean i you, you know part of me after watching what he's done here's like god why didn't you do that a year ago because ohio state could have won a national title this year if they'd had a halfway decent defense and then and then you know you think about that that mulligan and would have been would it have been right to broom those guys after 2020 yeah no that probably wouldn't have been right it sucks saying ohio state could have won a natty this year if they'd have made the changes but you know everything happens for a reason uh, you mentioned Kirk Ferentz. So let's talk about that guy. Kirk Ferentz signing an extension. He'll be under contract through 2029. That would take him to an even 30 years. He's been there 23 years, the longest tenured active head coach, total compensation of $7 million a year. So we didn't get the, the, uh, the Michigan state $10 million hand handshake. No, but that's but, still uh, a ridiculous amount of money for that dude. Don't, yeah, yeah. Don't feel bad for Kirk Ferentz. Uh, really, I I need to look at the contract because I want to see what his buyout is. That was always the funniest part about his previous contract was the insane buyout that he had. And and you know he also has a seven million dollar salary pool for his ten on field assistants and a one point two million dollar salary for strength and conditioning. His head coach and four assistant strength and conditioning coaches. That's so, a that's a lot of money to pay for eight wins a year. Honestly, I, you, know, you you know I always like that. And I can't remember if it was USA Today when they do their coaching salary database or somebody else does it, but mm-hmm. they do the calculation of the cost of, of <laughs> the wins, you know, how many of a million dollars per win. Uh, <laughs> some of them are get, get pretty entertaining. Uh, were, were, are you uh, surprised that parents getting another, and maybe let me, let me, let me uh, take that question off the table. How many more big 10 coach of the year awards can Kirk Ferentz win? over the next uh, as many as they want to give him seven years <laughs> i mean he's kind of shown himself to be you know in various ways uh, a, a bit of a a doucher as the kids might say <laughs> like there's there's certainly some things about ferentz that are, are less than savory that we can not have to get into tonight but um yeah i don't know man how did you know how did you know i had that story pulled up next you're kind of waving me off right there that was great no but i'm just saying like the thing is, is that you can tell how freaked out some of these colleges and universities are about NIL. I don't know what the future looks like in general and whatnot, because they're willing to pay some of these guys insane amounts of money to try to at least keep the ship steady as these schools figure out what the hell they're going to do about the changing football landscape, right? Like if, if they have competence, they're going to try to hold on to that coach like grim death because they don't want to screw up something that's working. Yeah. And they see so much uncertainty in in college sports in general, but especially college football now that I just, 
I don't know, a guy like Ferentz is going to get that extension because they're like, well, at least he didn't blow up the program, right? Nobody like exploded. They didn't burn down the stadium. So let's, we might as well keep him around while hey, this not, crazy you know, stuff happens. Hey, you, you could be Brian Kelly and he'd be out there killing people. I mean, he didn't do that. Yeah, well, right, exactly. And then Brian, Ke- but that's the thing though, Brian Kelly, who, again, in my opinion, was incredibly negligent and, you know, should have been criminally charged, uh, goes ahead and gets a gigantic sweetheart deal at LSU. And that that's exactly it. These schools are looking for competence and consistency, and they will take it wherever they can get it. So that's, that's part of this thing with Harbaugh is that, okay, does Michigan really, really want to go through a coaching search at this part of the year, right? At this time, in the history of the sport where you're dealing with NIL and all that stuff, especially given, you know, Michigan's kind of reluctance to engage with a lot of that stuff. Um, yeah, I can see why they would want to keep that guy and be super desperate to do so. So anybody who's like really excited about the prospect of Harbaugh leaving, they're going to fight. They're going to fight to keep that dude in Ann Arbor. And in fairness to, you know, Iowa and Kirk Ferentz, uh, 10 and four this year, not terrible. Seven and two I mean, they the made conference, the not terrible, you know, or I guess seven and three when you count the, the, the title game. Yeah. They, they, yeah, they won the championship. You know, it, it, it could, it could be a lot worse. Uh, I mean, I look at Ohio state went 10 and two and, uh, <laughs> fires everybody. <laughs> well, that's because that's, and you know, we've talked about that's, that. I mean, that's, that's the difference right, between but that's Ohio state and Ohio state. Else. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's standard Ohio state and Ohio state in general has a mentality. And I've said this, I didn't interview It's funny because it obviously the game didn't turn out at all the way I thought it would, but I did an interview with this Oregon radio station in uh, September and I got off on a little tangent. I was like, people don't understand Ohio state fans mentality. They, they just don't, they, there's this, I, I think the rest of college football believes that Ohio state is all about this, like bragger, like, yeah, we get this thing locked down. We're going to, we're the best and we'll always be the best. Like, no, Ohio state fans, are always on the precipice and Ohio state, the football program is always on the precipice. So if there's any kind of tiny bit of doubt that something might be wrong, it's like, we're burning it down. Like we don't care. Like it's, 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 you know, Russia in 1812 stuff. Like we, we will burn down the country and retreat back into the interior so that we can fix this thing and come back. If the slightest thing looks off and that's, that's the way Ohio state operates. And that's the way I think, Ohio State fans expect the program to operate. Um, so they did. And, and I think it's, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a positive thing. But you don't necessarily see that same kind of urgency from other schools. And, and I think they value and, and prioritize consistency more than maybe Ohio State does. If I had to put a hundred on it today, I'd say Harbaugh is off to the league. I just think it makes too much sense for him to go back there. If you had to put a C note down on it, which way would you, which way would you go today? He's gone or he stays. Uh, I know you said 50, 50 earlier. So no, I'm, I know I'm, if I had I'm, to put I'm, money I'm down, using old I, Ben Franklin to, to nudge you across uh, the, the 50, 50 line there. I would say I would probably put it on him stay, honestly. Okay. All right. Um, and I know, I know there's so much smoke coming out of the NFL and I don't think it's, you know, I, I don't think it's fake. I think that's valid. He's definitely going to listen to the, the overtures, but I, I just think it'll be too much. Um, and the more he has to think about it, the more I think he's just more you know, likely to stay. So. And, and to their credit, I mean, if I, if I want to give Michigan credit, my impression from reading the various people who, you know, Twitter about these things on Twitter. 
it sounds like Michigan's doing what they need to do to try to keep him right. It's it, oh yeah, they're I, doing it, everything they can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to, to to their credit, and so then it's just a matter of uh, assuming. And this is where I, the part of the reason I think I I lean so hard to him going is assuming the deals are comparable, right? He's not going to take a pay cut to go to the NFL. He's not going to take a pay cut to stay at Michigan. No. Uh, but assuming that the money is comparable. Uh, to me, you know, yeah, it's harder to to do it in theory at the NFL level, but he's proven that he can. Yeah. Uh, so, so if you're him, you believe you can, and you don't have to do with the recruiting situation. I, right. I just think, <clears throat> I, I just think, if I'm a guy that's making seven, eight, nine million dollars a year, and I have the choice between, you know, dealing with professionals who get paid to do this stuff for a living, and dealing with the whims of uh, teens and twenty year olds who can leave on a whim now thanks to the portal and are starting to assert and, and you and I believe it's good that they are starting to assert themselves and and get their piece of the pie but if I'm a coach you know I maybe would rather run things like Woody Hayes uh, was able to run things or Bo Schimbeckler was able to run things with an iron fist yeah. not not having to you know treat these players like human beings who well, have their own I do agendas think, and goals no but i see your point though and, and really that's another big part of it too is how much control is he going to have of whatever situation that he's in right michigan the university just got rid of their president for being a creep yeah. and i don't know what that necessarily means for harbaugh and in his position but it definitely you know shuffles some things around and you know the Raiders just got rid of their GM, I think. Uh, so I, you know, and, and that may be a big piece of this puzzle that I'm sort of like glossing over is Harbaugh will have a much better handle on what that means for, for him in terms of who the next GM is, Yeah, you know, and, and that's always a really interesting question because as somebody who follows the Steelers, you know, there's been a lot of, of discussion now that, that program, that uh, program, that franchise is sort of an inflection point because you have a um, longtime GM, Kevin Colbert is ready to step down. And, and at the same time, uh, big Ben, you know, has <laughs> come to the end of his useful life expectancy as a quarterback that I think he averaged about 1.5 yards of pass uh, in his playoff game at Kansas city the other night. So, you know, the, the Harbaugh will have a much better feel for what a new GM would mean for him and whether or not he wants to work. In it. And, it, and I keep talking about the Raiders like that's the obvious choice. There are certainly other teams that are looking for head coaches, too, uh, that, that could be destinations. Although, um, you know, the Dolphins ownership has said they're not going to poach him away from Michigan because of the connection there as a big time donor. So, I, you know, I don't know probably this time next week we'll know and be able to uh, dish about that then so other big news this week aside from coaching changes at home and abroad ohio state set to begin the 2022 campaign not just with the notre dame game at home but five straight in the horseshoe after the big 10 unveiled some schedule changes you know a lot of times i don't really pay attention to these schedule changes because you know i can't do anything about it but i do find this year's schedule very interesting for two reasons number one Opening with five in a row at home um, certainly is going to let this defense, uh, this new defensive brain trust, try to get itself established in at least friendly 
confines of home before taking their show on the road. But on the other hand, I'm looking and saying, you know what? This is a pretty tough schedule for Ohio State when you get down it to is it. Tough, yeah. Uh, opening with Notre Dame at home, you're getting Wisconsin early. Um, certainly at, at home, you know, is good. Uh, you got Michigan State on the road, Penn State on the road. That back-to-back trips, uh, Penn State and Northwestern, and not that Northwestern is supposed to give you the hoo GB nightmares, but playing in in um, Evanston is a different thing than playing um, at home because they cut the grass about knee-high there. And then finishing up with Maryland on the road before hosting Michigan. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a big-boy schedule. It is a big-boy schedule. I, I like the changes, in, at least in terms of development and, and getting the team up to speed. I mean, you're still – the ats stay the ats and i kind of here's the other thing i i almost i don't know if this is intentional or not but i i want them to keep penn state in late october i kind of like the idea if you're going to play that team every year i kind of like it making a halloween thing that yeah because it's getting pushed back almost a whole month right it went yeah it was, so if they previously just, october 1st yeah. it's getting pushed back to halloween weekend yeah if they want to keep doing that I think that would be a fun, I don't know, if, you, if, if you're the Big Ten, you would kind of engender a rivalry there. That might be a fun way to well, try to do it. Because we can go ahead and guarantee that it, that will be a wide out game. At oh, night. yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying, no, exactly. Yeah, that, I mean, and then when Penn State it comes to been Ohio anyway, State. But it's a lot more juice to it on Halloween weekend. Right. And then when Penn State comes to Ohio State, they, they like to do the all unis and they do the kind of the blackout thing. Yep. And that's fun. So yep. I kind of like that. I think that's cool. Um yeah, I think the schedule sets up a little bit better for Ohio State this way. And, you know, Michigan State, they're going to be they're. I don't think they're going to be as good in 2022 as they were even. I mean, last season, you could argue that Michigan State didn't necessarily live up to what they could have done, but well, not, a, um, not against Ohio State anyway. No. And, <laughs> you know, granted, they had a pretty lofty ranking towards the end of the season, but uh, I, I don't think anybody really trusted that. Um and they're, you know, they're losing a lot. So I think that's, it sets up fairly well. You get past Notre Dame. And by the way, I was kind of looking, as we were talking, I was looking up some of the um, historical opening game matchups. There were some really big ones in the nineties, but I, I got to say, this might be honestly the biggest one for Ohio state since the mid eighties. Uh, when in 1986, they played Alabama, number five, Alabama at a neutral site in uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey, the kickoff classic, I guess they How played wild. in the giants. So that's uh, lost that game, 10 to 16 BT dubs, but those were two top 10 teams. Uh, Alabama's ranked number five at the time. Um, so I, I think that's probably comparable to that. And um, you get past them. I think you're set up pretty well for a big 10 championship push i mean you are anyway right because it's not necessarily going to hurt you but i I think it helps establish a tone and um you know you're going to play maryland at maryland and at michigan regardless of your last two so you know i think it works out ohio state speaking of uh games against ranked opponents will enter the season it seems like most likely the number two team in the country the way too early preseason uh rankings from the various media outlets espn usa today cbs sports sports illustrated and sporting news the consensus uh unanimous you might as well say ohio state number two notre dame uh by the way anywhere from six to nine a little more mm-hmm. um a little more uncertainty there seven uh, i guess i take that back it's as, as high as number five sporting news has notre dame as high as number five so between fifth and ninth it's going to be a top 10 matchup anyway you slice it i 
I tend to expect Notre Dame to be sixth or seventh. Um, kind of, kind of, and some of that depends on maybe what happens with Jim Harbaugh because Michigan is right around that same same ranking there, anywhere from looks like number five to maybe number nine in those same way too early. So maybe a big change there could lead voters to to do something different. But looking at these preseason rankings, uh, number one, and you and I have touched on this a little bit. Do you feel Ohio State is the number two team in the country going into the season. Did they, did they, they show you enough in the Rose bowl and with the changes that Ryan days made and the talent coming back, are, are they the number one team, the number two team, you know, you talked a few weeks ago, like maybe (laughs) four or five was maybe what you were more comfortable with. Yeah. I'm I'm still more comfortable with that. And I know what the other teams are losing and, and I get the, I get the reasoning and why they say that. I, I hate, I mean, honestly, I hate these two, way too early polls and all that crap. It, I was looking, you know, in that vein, I was looking at our preseason predictions, you know, made in August, right? Not, not in January, but in August, right? So generally within the time that football would actually be played and just so hilariously wrong on so many counts and not just with the 11 warriors, but in general, right? Like people thought Spencer Rattler was a serious contender for the Heisman and yeah, heck was yeah. that, that Clemson would come out and dominate and, you know, just keep on rolling. Uh, obviously that did not happen. And until you see, until you see the teams actually play, I don't want to give uncertainty, um, you know, a pass if that makes sense if there if there are teams that are bringing back a ton and you're like okay well i trust these players i think they're going to continue to be good that's one thing but if you're kind of assuming that a team might make you know a a leap or they'll improve because we expect them to improve all that stuff i just i think that's fool's gold i don't know that that's really a a good way to predict things so i want ohio state's defense to be much better i think they've brought in the coaches to do that i think they have the talent to do that but until i see it it's really based on, you know, hope than anything else. So yeah, I want to see, I want to see them actually play before I'm going to give them credit and and tell them, you know, tell people they're going to be a top one or two team. The talent for sure. There CJ Stroud, Travion Henderson and Denzel Burke all made the football writers association of America's freshman, all America team, uh, which, which I, I think is, uh, you know, spot on as in, in Burke, you know, was the surprise of the season for me. That was a guy that, that, and I mean, I think we talked a lot about Travion Henderson as a recruit. You you kind of had a feel for what CJ Stroud was going to be. You knew he was going to be big time uh, just by dint of the fact that Chris Olave came back uh, to play with CJ Stroud. And he right. didn't have he didn't have to. He could have been in the league already. Mm-hmm. And uh, but Burke was the the that was the guy that I don't think anybody was really talking about as a, a standout. And he, and he, he did great. I'm, I'm eager to see how he improves in year two. They was talking about the huge leap that guys make from year one to year two. And, and if he makes that kind of leap, uh, shut the front door, that kid's going to be going to be fantastic. Speaking of talent, I know you're excited about this one. Big Thanos, Dewan yeah. Jones staying for a fourth season with the Buckeyes, uh, not opting to take his talents to the league. Uh, you know, I, I think I kind of expected this. I think this is a guy that needed another year, um, to, to really, you know, get himself, uh, up in the draft you know, second team, big 10, all, uh, all big 10 honors, third team, all big 10 from the conference coaches. Um, but, but this is a guy I think has got a lot more upside yet. So, 
you well, know, and you want a guy who's going to be able to anchor a you know an offensive line, and and yes, like that's not really the area of concern for Ohio State, but that it makes it gives you the warm fuzzies, right? You know, mm-hmm. it, it makes things a lot more simple on that part of the the uh, the team. So I'm I'm pretty stoked about it, and obviously he's really good at his job. So um, that's that's pretty awesome. I'm excited. And when Whipler back as center, you expect to see Paris Johnson move from right guard to left tackle. Mm-hmm. Matt Jones, Donovan Jackson, leading candidates to start as guard. And, and this will be a good chance for us to see what uh, new offensive line coach uh, is, is, is really made of because you've mm-hmm. taken an offensive line that led the nation in both points per game and yards per game this season, 17 sacks allowed tied for the 14th fewest in the country. So they're already a pretty darn good line. Yep. Uh, but now you maybe move some guys like uh, Johnson moving from guard to a more natural tackle position. Uh, you've got a second year on your scene on your center who was, you know, kind of thrust into things unexpectedly. And you're really going to be able to see what coach Fry is made of. Yeah. Um, because he's got the talent, right? Like that's the, you're starting from a good place. You're not having to come in and blow something up and rebuild it. And, right. and, and that's not a bad situation to be in. If you're, if you're a guy coming into a new coaching role. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, and that's, you know, with all of these guys, right. All these new dudes who are coming into this, you want to, you want to be able to rely on certain dudes and, um, well, that's what you get with, with big Thanos. So all right, it is time for Ask Us Anything, our favorite segment of the program, and a good time to remind you that the Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Hats, T-shirts, stickers, as I've been mentioning the last couple of weeks, some new T-shirts there, some great new designs that I hope you'll check out, some fun things that uh, you should absolutely add to your collection to help get you through the off-season and in the proper spirit for football to come you know we're down to about eight and a half weeks before that notre dame game we were talking about so it'll be here before you know it drygoods.11warriors.com johnny my friend what's in the mailbag this week so we want to remind you that you can send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com and let's go ahead and start with our good friend alvin who wants to know what movie can you watch over and over and over and over without ever getting tired of it my cousin Vinny. Uh, oh man, my, that's a good choice. I, my the stunning Mrs. Vance has has had to watch that about three times in the last six weeks because. <laughs> so what I do, I'm terrible at this. We watch a lot of streaming stuff, but but we also are on the the traditional cable package that has more or less every channel known to man. Right. And so what I do, this is terrible. I'm a terrible channel surfer. So like, if she gets up to go to the kitchen, let's say to uh, make herself a snack or or pop some popcorn or something. I will just go to the movie channel section and Uh just scroll through movies. And it seems like probably three times in the last six weeks, my cousin Vinny has, has been somewhere in that list. You know how these cable channels do, right? Like these are, these are the 16 movies that we're showing this month. And so you just catch it. You didn't see it Thursday at eight. Don't worry. It's coming back around. And that was, that has always been one of my absolute favorite movies. And, And Joe Pesci was great in that movie, but you know, Marissa Tomei and Fred Gwynn, <laughs> those two made that movie well cast all the way around. I don't think anybody was out of place in that movie. It was no. really brilliantly done. Um, number one, Marissa Tomei. Oh, my little heart just goes pitter pat. <laughs> and 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 her, her her New York accent, like so well done. 
Uh, I know she was was nominated for a truckload awards and won some some uh, lofty she honors. Had, she had the role. Oscar, yeah, and and well <clears> worth <throat> it. But Fred Gwynn uh, as the judge, and people don't remember Fred Gwynn as Herman Munster. But but did you say Utes? You know, I'm like that guy <laughs> was just bro- like you could. Chamberlain Haller was a real person who had been practicing law and sitting on the bench in this little podunk Alabama town for a hundred years. I mean, I, you could have believed they plucked him off the bench and set him down in that movie. Uh, that wasn't an actor. That was a real person. He was so good. I could just watch it anytime day or night, uh, wherever it is in the movie, we'll stop and we'll watch it. The scene at the end where she does the whole, you know, sort of Perry Mason reveal right. of, of no, you know, does the defense's case hold water? No, the defense right. is wrong. And then she goes through this big exhibition. It's, it's just so well done. Everything about it is great. I love it. Not only is it really well done, but you know, I'm sure it's this kind of more common knowledge than it used to be just because of the internet, but it's an, it's an excellent example of actual, like jurisprudence like how it's supposed to be done in a, in a courtroom it the procedure that's followed how things are done with introducing witnesses discovery all that stuff it's very accurate and it's actually used in law school sometimes by professors as, as examples of how these things would proceed in, in real life so that's what i think is really awesome about it i used to use my cousin Vinny all the time in my classroom as um uh, an example of uh basically first person accounts eyewitnesses not necessarily oh god yes there's so there's so many because there's you know obviously as he as Vinny's like breaking down the the uh the witnesses and whatnot it's an excellent example of why firsthand accounts aren't always reliable and so you have to have multiple perspectives and all that kind of stuff but anyway great movie that, that's an excellent answer i would say for me and it's not my favorite movie of all time i don't even know that i would put it in like my top 10 but whenever Men in Black is on television, I can't not watch it. And I don't know. Here's the thing. I, I'll, I'll defend Men in Black briefly. I know it was like a big tentpole summer movie with Will Smith and whatever. And that's generally how it's looked as this giant blockbuster or whatever. But it has a point that it's trying to make. And I, a lot of, you know, dumb summer blockbusters don't really have much of a point. It's part of the spectacle and they're just trying to get butts in the seats and, you know, eat a bunch of popcorn and you enjoy yourself. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I do respect that men in black has a consistent viewpoint that it reinforces through the dialogue and the action and things like that. Um, I don't know. It, 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 it's a smarter movie. It's not a smart movie. I'm not, I'm not making that claim, but it's a smarter movie than it gets credit for. Barry Sonnenfeld is a really good smart guy really good director i think he was a cinematographer for the coen brothers for a while so it's there's there's some real competence behind the lens in that movie and it shows and i appreciate that a lot it's Um, a fun movie i i dig it too and and i i have to say i'm a sucker for just about anything tommy lee jones is in yeah i mean he's amazing right so yeah exactly and and the dynamic like between him and will smith it works really well great chemistry great chemistry great chemistry a lot of the ideas that they have with aliens and just how they might be treated. I don't know. It's just, it's unique in a lot of interesting ways. And I just appreciate that. You so know, you I, don't I think of Will Smith as a comedic actor. Cause he's got a lot of range and has played a lot of dramatic roles really well, Yeah, but their timing in that, you know, Tommy Lee Jones is the deadpan is the, is the straight <laughs> man. And will John, will Johnson, will, will Smith as more, of of the funny man you know he's not doing he's not doing chris hart and and you know dwayne johnson kind of you know schlocky right. comedy but the comedy 
there was really good. Um, I also get a kick out of Vincent D'Onofrio as the bug. I, just, yeah, he's fantastic in that movie. <laughs> let's talk about a guy that's got a lot of rage. You know, he, it's sugar and water. <laughs> um, so yeah, Men in Black would be my answer for that. Oh, uh, I love it. Yep. So next one here is from uh, Joseph, and he just wants to know. Just curious, as I follow recording, recruiting more and more each year, what are the notable recruiting misses you spoke about in your two high impact coaching hires article? So that was not that's not for me <laughs> but it's a good question nonetheless um so i i know andy that you don't have the advantage of um of uh foresight with the uh with the um uh ask us anything questions so i i apologize on that here's what i will say real quick this is actually um remember how we were talking about I don't know if you remember, it was a few weeks ago. We were talking about recruiting in general, yeah. especially with running backs. Mm-hmm. And the big one was like Bijan Robinson, right? Yep. Huge. Um, because that was like a huge that I, I am not a guy who gets super, super into recruiting as a general rule, but that was the one where I was kind of like a little pissed that we missed on, honestly. So let me let me alter the question just a little bit here. Are there any, were there any particular guys? It doesn't have to be necessarily even recent, but for you, Andy, were there any particular guys where you were like, I'm so mad we didn't get that dude? Uh, you know, usually I laugh at this because I was thinking about it. Remember when, um, you know, it's sort of toward, I think, toward the latter end of the Thad Mata era and the, uh, the cat that ended up playing at uh, Michigan State that just, let ohio state up that's a okay that there's a um, lot of good there's a lot of good uh basketball recruiting i know and i'm trying right yeah now. and i'm trying oh dude and that dude's name just escaped me too anyway uh, yeah it was like every time that guy came to columbus i was pissed off again um i i have to be super honest i am not a recruit nick by any stretch of the imagination i i used to say and i've i've started paying more attention to it now as i've been more connected to the site and, and working with you on the dubcast and so on, just because I felt like I have to be a little bit responsible and know, yeah. know something about it for just such an occasion. But I used to joke when I first started following Ohio State football beyond just watching the games on Saturday that, you know, I missed the days when you didn't worry about learning a kid's name until his second year when he finally cracked the two deep, you know, like that's, I don't, I don't need to know about him until he's productive. <laughs> Other yeah. than that, he's just a guy in a Jersey. It doesn't matter to me. He, does, he has no effect on my life. Um, but there, you know, there are a few guys I, that you just, it wasn't that I was mad that there was an individual guy that got away, but I hated seeing Ohio state not bringing in. Right, right, right. More top shelf line. Well, guy like, you could tell, I mean, Going back to basketball, a guy like Trey Burke, right? Like that's that, that's, who, that's exactly Burke was exactly who I was thinking of. I couldn't think of his yeah. name. Burke's exactly who I was thinking of. That every time that guy came to Columbus, it just frosted my flakes all over again because he and not he, only right he had like and a career that, game be, every time he played Ohio State. Yeah, and not only that, but he would be a huge. I mean, a guy like that, the way he played, his style of play in general, right? Just a, a incredibly smart, tough dude. That's exactly the kind of players that Ohio State fans like to watch. Um, he would have been a huge star at Ohio State. So I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. Um, yeah, and, and usually it's, you know, a lot of times it's you, you know, some of the in-state guys that, you know, you're like, oh man, you hate to see them good because Ohio State doesn't miss on many uh, 
in-state guys, right? Like that doesn't yeah. happen. Um, you think about like Jake, Butt at, at tight end as I was going back and looking at, um, when we were doing our decade and review series here a couple of years ago, you know, not only did that guy not go to Ohio state, <laughs> but to go where he went, like you hate that a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they're usually it's the in-state guys that, that may not be the best example, but you hate losing Ohio guys and them not, you know, Jackson Carmen was another one. That was a big, um, a big miss. I remember at the time that was like, oh man, I can't believe they didn't get that guy. That right. worked out fine in the end, but like the, just some of the stories, the individual stories, um, usually will make a, a bigger deal. Like if you've, you've watched and you're like, oh man, Ohio state lost another, you know, they lost that guy that sucks. And that doesn't yeah. happen very often, but usually when it does, it really frosts your flakes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right. So this last one here, this is from Matt and Matt wants to know. So Kieran, this is his son. Kieran left his phone at home and has prompted me to ask you the following question after asking me, if you had not just met your, if you had not met your current romantic partner and you are just a big of a Buckeye fan as president day, Andy and Johnny are, could you make it work with a Michigan alumni? Uh, his hypothetical is that she's smart, funny, pretty, super nice and perfect for you in every way. But her one flaw is that she attended the school at North. Could you do it? And by the way, full transparency from Maddie says, my initial answer was hell no. However, I amended my answer to state that if she could forego her tainted collegiate alliances or allegiances uh, when it went on fall Saturdays and having to bear any influence on my potential future offspring, phase for a 10-year-old, obviously, uh, she would have to be symptom-free of the Michigan uh, hubris. Um, I, I, what, what is your answer on this? Yeah. You know, this is one of those things that I, I never even so much as dated. Well, I take it back. I did go on a date one time when I was finishing my undergrad, um, went on a date with a, with, with a, a nice looking girl. We had actually had a really nice time who had done her undergrad at that school up North and was yeah. at law school here at Ohio state, which the thing I always wondered was like, how does that work? Like I couldn't square in my mind being an Ohio state alumnus and going to Michigan for grad school. Like, I, I don't think I could do it. I have um, friends who've done it. I have friends. I, and, yeah. Done. I mean, I, I know it happens quite a lot. I mean, like yeah. su- a surprising, surprising frequency that, but I, I never could quite get my head around it. Um, you know, the stunning Mrs. Vance is not an Ohio state. She's not an Ohio native, did not go to Ohio state. She's, yeah, she's uh, West what, Virginia, right? Yep. West Virginia through and through proud mountaineer. Um, uh, didn't, didn't go to school there, but that's her school is, is yeah. West Virginia. You know, she went to a, a small private school, um, but that, that we love, but didn't, um, but so she's a West Virginia fan. Now it was funny. It was, it was during, I think, uh, during the Rose bowl, something along those lines, she, um, she came in the room, she'd been in the kitchen or something. And she says, uh, Oh, did we score again? And I said, who's this? We you're talking about. <laughs> she's like, like Ohio state. Did we score again? And I'm like, that's the first time I think in 10 years that you've referred to Ohio state in a possessive pronoun. And it makes me feel warm and fun. Like I felt loved so much. Um, you know, I'd like to say that I could be a big enough person to do it. There's a, a couple that we're very good friends with through, through our, our kids being in preschool and, and kindergarten together and such who are a split household like that. And they make yeah. it work. Um, I think the hardest part would be raising the children. That would be the hardest part because, you know, you want your kid, like I'm, I'm it, a, I mean, I've been indoctrinating, I've been indoctrinating Kira, you know, since day one that she's, yeah. the, and so, but I don't mind when mommy got her some West Virginia clothes. Like that didn't bother me. It yeah. There's no skin off my teeth. I'm just saying, man, this isn't like Protestants and Catholics in Northern Ireland. I, it's close. <laughs> it's not that close. Look. Here's the thing, okay? I want to. I want to want to interject. I first of all, I have no problem. 
but it's not something that would bother me that much in, in part because ohio state has been kicking the crap out of michigan yeah right, right, right. The best context effect. matters if we'd ask context does matter 15 years ago you right know. if it were the 90s maybe i feel a little bit differently but honestly <laughs> like I, it's not that big of a deal to me um it, you can have a friendly rivalry within a relationship i don't think it's that that big of a deal um unless the other person like super obnoxious about it or you cannot prevent yourself from being super obnoxious about it i don't think it's i don't think it matters honestly you know and you just made a good point i feel like because the way that the question was set up you know is that that, that this person is basically a 10 in every other conceivable category yeah if they're a perfect if they're this amazing human being that you want then they're probably they're a michigan sorry you'd be crazy to give that Yeah. Well, and and that probably also indicates that they're not like the obnoxious Michigan fan that yes that we all hate, right? Because- right. So if my let me put it this way, if my wife, my current, who I love very much, if she were a Michigan fan, that would not have changed any kind of decision making on my part with regards to our future. That that would not have factored into it. Now, I um, now in this, you know, the, the the thing that's interesting though is I feel like there's a there's a bit of self selection that gets involved here because I I don't know the way that the way that honeybee and i met i don't know like if that would have been part of the application process i don't know man you know would you okay one last would you have would you have been in i don't know it's it's a really interesting question let's say let's say that i'm at a watch party for michigan ohio state right and i'm walking around and i'm like say i'm i'm in college i'm single whatever and i see this like incredible attractive amazing human being in front of me but she's wearing a michigan shirt am i gonna go I don't know. Like, no, no, 20, 20, <laughs> early 20 something Johnny is going to ignore that. Like, and and you, think long term. <laughs> right. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna probably follow his gut more than his heart, if that makes sense. I'm no. not, I, I will put that aside because again, Ohio State's winning consistently. It's easier to deal with. But honestly, in general, uh, you gotta, I don't know. I think you have to balance it. Now, as a 10-year-old, under, you know, asking this, Karen, I, it's a very reasonable question. I'm just saying there will be a point in your life where you're going to, uh, maybe you won't be dating for a while. You know, maybe they're just, for whatever reason. And then all of a sudden, you really want to date somebody. You, there are certain things you'll be willing to look past. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Good question, Karen. Good question. Excellent question. So those are those are uh, questions for Ask Us Anything this week. Thanks for sending them in. Please continue to ask us all the uh, you know important queries that you might have about life or love or anything else. So, well done, friends. All right, as we get ready to put this horse back in the barn, let's talk shooty hoops. Ohio State played a pair of games since last we got together. Split them one and one. Uh, worst three point shooting in a a hot minute. Uh, Kind of, kind of, kind of KOA'd the Buckeyes' chances on the road at Wisconsin. On the other hand, defense, defense, defense got Ohio State over the hump in an ugly win at home over Penn State. Um, how are you feeling about this? We haven't, we haven't seen the dreaded January slump. Maybe we've talked about it enough that we've scared it away. Uh, but that, that, the game at Wisconsin, you know, that was tough. Yeah. They, I don't know. The consistency is really kind of the the irritating part. You want to see Malachi Random, right? He's this emerging star and whatnot. Well, okay. Well, if you're gonna you're gonna really earn that title, then you've got to be good every game. You know what I mean? And not great every game, but you got to at least be good every game. So there's definitely been some up and downs, but not just him. I mean, EJ Adele and just Arns and whoever else you want to pick. 
it's it's been difficult to watch this team as they kind of struggle a little bit out of the long break that they had and it's not necessarily a january slump per se uh but they're definitely trying to find their footing um and hopefully they can figure that out here in the next few games and it feels like that consistency you're talking about is is directly attributable to that you know two week layoff they had in december because yeah, you know, yeah. we we talked so about too. it at the time that that's that's a long time conditioning becomes a factor but also i mean basketball is a streaky game right and it so is, to yeah. go that long the momentum there's i mean it's all it's all part of it uh the wisconsin game the worst shooting worst three-point shooting game the team had, had in three seasons 15.8 that was the percentage that's pretty wild life. yeah gosh that's terrible uh three for 19 from deep it was seven minutes into the second half before they finally hit a triple that was pretty crazy the um the penn state game you know and sometimes you just got to win ugly right like that you just got to go and win ugly penn state wasn't shooting worth a nickel Ohio state wasn't shooting worth a nickel so you went and grounded out um i i like that they've got the chops to do that in a conference game i still think it's you could you could say Ohio state is the third or fourth best team in the conference without feeling like you were really talking uh anything super crazy what what happens next that's uh, you know that that's a big one uh they dropped from number 16 to number 19 in the latest ap poll uh and a few uh, big 10 teams ahead of them including illinois michigan state wisconsin the aforementioned wisconsin uh and purdue purdue number four in the country after they uh dropped one the other night and um yeah good good big 10 basketball i think this is a good season for the conference it is, and that makes it more important to be consistent. And I don't know, you know, the Penn State game was good because they started out, I think, looking pretty, pretty solid, and then they went cold, and then they had to kind of rely on their defense. And that that's the kind of game that you don't want to see a team fold in or, you know, maybe just kind of give up the ship once things start looking bad. So they, they, I, I appreciate that they kind of lock things down and were able to pull that one out. So if they can do more of that, then they can start getting that'll help them regain some of that consistency and confidence they had, you know, in early December. And the thing I like to, you know, still undefeated at home. You, 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 you like yeah. that you protected home court 11 and four overall five and two in the conference. Um, and, you know, a, a confidence builder type game coming up Tuesday night against Uli Pui. We added IUPUI to the mix because of that long layoff. And I think that's one, you know, go in there, finish knocking off the cobwebs before hosting Nebraska and then going on the road uh, to Minnesota and then also on the road at Purdue, which that'll be mm -hmm. a banger uh, to finish up the month of January. So I, you know, I feel like, I feel like they ought to be able to pull down um, two of those three uh, big 10 games to finish out the month. You know, if, if they get two of three of them, I'm not expecting them to upset Purdue, um, especially playing at Mackey, but if, if they can get, nebraska and minnesota then january will have been a success i feel like yeah i agree yeah and that and those you know minnesota and nebraska aren't exactly like scary threatening teams so those are teams you should beat and i agree with you yeah you get two of those three you're you're good to go yeah i mean nebraska's zero and eight in the conference um in in minnesota's one and five so those are those are easily winnable games one, yeah. one and five in the conference i mean they're ten and five overall so they're not like horrible no like but those nebraska, are those are games you nebraska at six and 13 pretty bad but yeah. but yeah you you really feel like those are two games that you ought to win and and if they can do that they get those two look respectable against purdue i mean purdue is going to be i mean they beat duke let's you know let's let's let this is a team that can 
can go out there and be a giant killer. Um, but Purdue, I think, is a better team than than Duke. So we'll see what happens. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Eleven Dubcast. Thanks for being a part of it. And uh, as always, you know, send us your questions as we mentioned earlier for Ask Us Anything, and we'll be back to help you through this long football off season. Hopefully, we'll have some great things to talk about basketball wise next week. And and maybe maybe Harbaugh Watch will be over by then. Who knows? Could be fun times. Uh, until then, I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. This is the Dubcast. <laughs>